The guys have whipped up another one. This one's off the chain. It's Billy and Devo talk sports and manliness. Welcome back to the BDSM show. That's Billy and Devo talk sports and manliness. As always, I'm Billy. I'm Devo. Welcome back to a we didn't do Tuesday. We're doing a Wednesday recording today. Right. It's about to be Thursday technically. Tuesday is Halloween, so it was Halloween. I was I was tired because I went straight from work to Halloweening. Halloween. Right. Yep. And. Then I was in a little bit of a sugar coma, and it was just, it was all around, it wasn't a good night to record. No, and I figured after trick-or-treating and all that stuff, we didn't even get the kids in bed till like 9, 9.30. I think mine were in bed by 8.30. I fell asleep on the couch at like 11. Didn't I was watching the World Series, and I got to 3 to 1, and I was like, stay awake. Hmm. Stay awake. Stay awake. Stay awake. World Series. And then next thing I know, it's three o'clock in the morning, and I woke up on the couch because Ashlyn was coming out of her room. <laughs> what? Uh, what was Ashlyn dressed up as? Minnie Mouse. Minnie. Oh, that's right. She was a moody Minnie. She was adorable. And then Bubs was the best Lego character I've ever seen. It was great. I saw other Lego. Uh, costumes not near as cool as the one he wore. It was unique. Nobody went. I didn't see. I I saw at least three different types of Ninjago and yep. like Lego Batman, which is you know. It's, yep. It's I saw one of those good. Lego Knights. Yeah, the Nexo Knights. Yeah, I saw one of those. I didn't see any of those. Surprisingly, I didn't see one single other Lego policeman. No, not one either. And I'm sorry, I, I'm i sure it's supposed to be, like, I assume it's supposed to be adorable, like, cute, oh, look at the Lego cop. I cannot look at it without laughing. I just can't. Like, it's unintentionally funny. It's one of those, un- because I think it's the expression on the Lego guy's face, but it just does it for me. I can't stop laughing. I like, I like his claw hands. Yeah. Do you see the air quotations I'm making with my claw hands? It means I don't believe you. <laughs> that was a <laughs> that was a spot on Liam Neeson. <laughs> I don't think it was very good. <laughs> I think that's why you're laughing. <laughs> it, it was it was close. It was not <laughs> you. I don't believe you. He would be. Now I feel dumb for doing it. <laughs> Boom. Sorry. Rut row, it's the bad guys. Love it. I, love um, I saw loads of Spider Men. Right. I saw loads of Superman. Right. I saw a couple. I saw one Flash. I saw a couple of. I saw lots of Harley Quinns. Yeah, I saw more than a few of those, and I'm like, your daughter's five. Do you really know what Harley Quinn was? 
or well, you know, the, the Harley Quinns that I saw were a cartoon level gesture, not Daddy's Little Monster. Oh, I saw a couple of the Daddy's Little Monster. Oh no, I didn't see any of those. And I'm like, you couldn't, you could not have watched Suicide Squad and went with that costume for your daughter. I saw lots of kids who were not dressed up, just wandering around with backpacks. I don't think I saw any of those. Are you sure they weren't walking home from school? They probably were walking home from detention, as far as I could tell. Right. Oh, so you're saying they were hooligans? Yeah, bad kids. Less than savory individuals? Yep. The blight every of single society. one of them I asked. Every single one of them I was like, hey, uh, what are you dressed up as? An Angsty asshole. teenager? Too cool to dress up? Yep. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> so. Yeah. I didn't dress up this year, so I just went as a civilized, domesticated Viking. <laughs> In my Ruggedly handsome. <laughs> yep. I um I did the Sonic thing. I had the Sonic socks and the Sonic shirt and the Sonic hat. Right. Uh, Finn and Archer stuck with um, Shadow and Knuckles. Right. And we only did like two blocks. Like we went we went down Willow and came back up, and we went down um, like part of Newport, and then we were like, yeah, this is, we're done with this. Right. I was like, and Archer was starting to get tired because I didn't bring like the wagon or anything. I just had him on my shoulders, and he was just like. Every time we finished at a house, he's like, a shoulders? Right. And I was like, oh, boy. That's a workout in itself. Yep. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's a stout little dude. He's, yeah. Stout's the word. So then we went back to Scott and Christy's house, and we helped them pass out candy. They had about a 1,000 pieces of candy, and then Scott texted me at about 8 o'clock and said they were out. Nice. He's like, we gave it all away. And they, had, they even had, like... They even did, like, the teal pumpkin thing where they have, like, non-candy treats. Right. Like pencils and, like, tiny little finger flashlights and rubber duckies. Right, for the nerds. And they passed them all out, like, for, like, infants. Yeah, for the nerds. Because, like, really, are you going to give your six-month-old Laffy Taffy? I mean, come on. No, you're going to take it home and eat it yourself. Right. You think my kids are going to eat half the candy that they got last night? No, I'm going to eat that. I mean, my kids probably only got, like... A quarter of their bag filled, but I told him I was like, "Listen, if you really need more candy, like we already have candy at the house that they're like not specifically interested in, right?" So I think it was more just like the experience than it was the candy for them, at least at this age. Right? Yeah, ours they got tons of candy, and they're not going to eat even a quarter of it. Yeah, mine mine are probably the same. I'll probably in about two weeks I'll end up taking it all to work and just leaving it in the break room for the food hoarders to take. Sure. Um, we, my kids are born into the salty snacks, like the pretzels, the chips, the goldfish, the nuts. Right. They See, like we had some people passing nuts. those out. Um, we, uh, some of the, some of the more creative, I saw a bender costume that a, a parent was wearing and it was probably about seven feet tall. Nice. I saw a Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head made out of paper mache that looked really good. Huh. Yeah, I like uh, the homemade ones. I I really enjoy like the time and effort people put into them. Um, some of the houses because we went to Hyde Park, which is like I'm gonna air quote here the rich part of town. Right. 
and some of the porch displays that they put on down there are really good like little animatronic thingies and like smoke machines and black lights and strobe lights sure so it was it was pretty cool uh there was a lot of people like thousands it looked like gasparilla nice like the sidewalks were just packed there's right. people parked on every side of the street you know what i mean sure there's room for one car to get down the road and it's like they had to take turns for the whole block because there was nowhere to park right um and then i came home and not a soul in my neighborhood i can't imagine why you know i think next year i'm gonna be the change i want to see oh yeah i'm gonna do it i mean i'll probably have my pistol in my waistband but i'm gonna do it you're gonna go trick-or-treating in your neighborhood fuck no i'm gonna give out candy (laughs) (laughs) okay trick-or-treating in my neighborhood i might put some flyers out or start a facebook page that says hey we're actually gonna do this so you don't have to go all the way to you know davis island right so you know how those rich folk hate the plebes coming to their neighborhoods (laughs) <laughs> you know what's funny is you could tell like some people were were uh put off or put out, you know what I mean? Right. And then some people were like let's host let's host this because a lot of these kids can't get it in their neighborhood and that's right. why they come to this neighborhood. So let's give them an experience that they can't get somewhere else. Right. You know, like something positive to remember. So and you could totally tell the difference. Between the ones that are passing out, you know, 1,500 of the tiny Tootsie Rolls versus the ones that are passing out actual candy and have, like, decorations out and they're in their little costumes right. sitting at the bottom of their driveway. So, Well, that's the neighborhood we go to is a is a housing development. You know, it's like one of those neighborhoods where all the houses are on top of each other. Yeah, like a, subdiv- like a cookie-cutter subdivision. Right. And, I mean, they're totally into it. They make it a thing every year. Um, it's gotten popular enough that, you know, like they, the cops come out and block off the residential streets and everybody has to park out on the main street so that, you know, the kids and stuff can trick or treat safely without having to worry about getting hit by cars. So the only people that can come through are the people that actually live on the streets. That's pretty cool. And like 99% of them are all cool with it. They all come out, sit in their driveway and pass out candy to everybody but last night, there was one lady who was like, she was clearly peeved that there was kids in the streets and stuff. And she yep. she's like rolling a little too fast for rolling through a neighborhood during trick-or-treating. Like she wasn't speeding. And if under normal circumstances, it wouldn't be that big a deal. But she knows there's fucking kids. Yeah. And she comes up to a group, creeps up behind them, and then blares the horn. Oh, that's and, ridiculous. Like, and not like a ha-ha, joking, funny-funny. Like the like fuck you, you beep. friends. Like you just hit it real quick just to start them. Like laid like, on the horn. Toot-toot. And then you're like, ha-ha, toot-toot. Right. No, she but laid on like, it. Bleh. Right. I'm like, listen, bitch. Yeah. Why, if you don't want to deal with this, go in your house. Just lock yeah, up. Why are, you, why are you even out right now? Like you should be you know, laying on the floor with the lights out. Right. And like tape across your door. That's I mean, I don't I don't want to like tell people how to live their life in their neighborhood because we come from our neighborhood to theirs. 
But you know this is like this every year. If you don't want to deal with it, then prepare for that and stay home. Go to the movies. The rest of your neighbors are all about it. Who gives a flying fuck? Yeah, I um I'm with I'm with you. You know, I understand why people go to other neighborhoods because like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't trick or treat my neighborhood, not this year. Well, I don't trick or treat um, in our neighborhood because A, there are no sidewalks, uh, it's very poorly lit, and there's not that many houses out here. I was gonna so, say your houses are spread out pretty good, so you would do have a lot of walking in the street without right. many street lights to get to the houses versus going to the local subdivision where the houses are crammed on top of each other. There's and sidewalks they and street lights. It. Yeah. You know, they all interact well with the kids. They love the kids. They love to see all the different costumes and stuff. So why why would I provide my kids with a terrible trick-or-treating experience because, you know, some other rich fuckwit can't be bothered? Like, I'm, I'm sorry that we're imposing on you giving out free candy. Don't give out free candy then. You know? Yep, I agree. And, you know, there were some houses down there where they put you know, they moved their, their patio furniture to block the stairs. It's like, okay, well, I understand. Loud and, read you loud and clear. They're your neighbor. Right. Sure. So, but it was, for the most part, I would say 90%, 95% of the houses were ready to go. And we started trick-or-treating at like 530. Like, it was early. You know, right. Because we, we wanted, you know, we have the kids. They're in to get done before sundown. And it's a school night. And so, right. around 730, which is generally their bedtime it's archer's bedtime and finn usually we work on sight words and read a book and he's usually in bed by eight right he um archer was losing it at seven thirty. he was crying and he didn't know why he was crying right he's just pissed off at the world yeah so i was like you know it's time it's time for us to go when he starts to act like that you know that's on me that's not on him right so we got him out of there got home had some chicken nuggets he's falling asleep because he was still hungry you know, we had some food to eat at Scott and Christie's, but uh, the kids weren't really into it, and I wasn't about to let them start hammering candy down. Right. Um, so I made some chicken nuggets. They were they were thankful for that, and uh, they went right to sleep. I mean, Jen said she had to wake them both up this morning, which generally they're up when I'm up. You know, at like right. you know when I get home from the gym. You know, and I, although I haven't gone in the past couple of days. Um, for generally, shame. They, they wake up. You know, six thirty, six forty-five. They're up and watching TV or eating waffles or whatever. Right. So yeah, that was ours. We got home I don't, between eight and eight thirty because we we left trick or treating. We finished about seven thirty, and then she, one of Heather's friends, said, "Hey, stop by because she wanted she hadn't seen her in a while, and she's like, you know, we don't really get many kids in our neighborhood, so I'll just give your kids all our candy." <laughs> right on. So we went over there for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and then we went home. We got home probably about 8.30 with the kids, and they still hadn't eaten dinner because we went to the trick-or-treating neighborhood straight from school. Um, And so we had them eat something real quick, and by the time they went to bed, it was, you know, we skipped showers. They went to bed at, like, 9. So, I mean, and they both slept. But Ashlyn, you know, she gets up usually once a night these days, and... So she got up at like three in the morning and she went and laid back down and usually she'll still get up at the ass crack of dawn, but I had to go wake her up. And then I bubs to the point now where I have to wake him up almost every morning. So he's like me. He likes his sleep. 
and he's not fond of getting up before he wakes up naturally. Yeah, Finny uh, is the same way. He's He likes to sleep. Archer, right. on the other hand, if he hears me, he comes out. I got to tiptoe around in the morning. Otherwise, I got to deal with him while I'm trying to get ready. Right. He's ready to rage. Yep, I hear him too. He'll like, if I close the door too loud, I'll hear him go, Daddy? Right. And then well, he hears Ashen. his little pitter-patter. Yeah. I get Ashlyn up, and the first thing she says is, I want to go see Mommy. And I'm like, no, Mommy's sleeping. You're you're up with Dad. Dad's getting you ready. <laughs> yep. So. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? I played shuffleboard on Monday. Yeah, how'd that go? How'd you I do? Competitively. Um, the team went five and one. Was I that went, in spite of you, or because yes, I went five and I went uh, one and one. Aha! Uh-huh. So the first two matches, the other team didn't show, so we got wins for those. They forfeit. Nice. And then the second two matches, we went two and zero, oh, so we were four and zero oh on the second two. Right. And then the last set, we split. Nice. So, it was pretty so how cool. does it how does it work? Is that like the first to five, or you play so many sets, or yeah, there's a certain number of frames, which I couldn't tell you without looking at the scoreboard how many, uh, how much that is. Right. You alternate, I, and I want to say like the sets, like so you have four uh, biscuits. Those are the discs. Okay. And you take your tang. That's the pusher. <laughs> And you slide your biscuit across the court. (laughs) I I don't know why you're laughing so much, Billy. So you push the biscuit with your tang? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And everybody has clever, punny team names, you know, with biscuit and tang somewhere in there. Right. Um, And so you have four discs. You alternate... um, you know, you and then your opponent next to you. So your teammate is across the court. Your opponent is next to you. Right. And so I shove my discs down one at a time. We alternate. Uh, we try to score. And so there's like uh, a 10, an 8, and a 7, the boxes. And obviously right. the 10 is the smallest and the eight is the or the or 7 is the biggest. And then behind that, there's a section that's minus 10. It's called the kitchen. Oh, so you don't want to put your puck in the kitchen, but if you can bump their puck into the kitchen, you're doing pretty good. Nice. I'm sorry, puck. You, their biscuit. Yeah, you want you want to tang Excuse their biscuit me. into the minus. Right. You want to, and so the the board that you shuffle across has um, like sand on it, like really fine sand. Right. So it, they slide really well across the right. across the deck there. Um, I did notice though that some of the courts are different. Like if the sand is like pushed out, uh, you know, like all collected on one side or the other, the uh, biscuit can and does um, a curve. Like nice. it doesn't go exactly straight. So there is some, you know, they usually give you like one or two practice pushes. Right. So you can figure out, you know, what the court's looking like and all those kind of things. This is the world's largest um, shuffleboard club. Nice. They have like, I don't know, 60 shuffleboard lanes. Right. And then about 10 of them are in like 
a freaking stadium with stadium seating. Nice. So they have like world championships here. Naturally. Um, apparently for members, it's open like 24 hours. So you go in, you push in your code, which I haven't gotten yet, and you can turn on the lights and go play. Nice. It's BYOB. Pushing the biscuit with your tang. You're allowed to bring your own beer. Nice. And your own food. There's no snack bar or anything there. So everybody had their little soft-sided coolers. Right. And their little Yeti cups. Um, And you would think that it would be just bunches of old people, but it was mostly people our age. Some younger, some older, but for the most part, our age. You know, not so much. Um. It, it was Halloween night, so it was hard to gauge what everybody was like because some people were dressed up and some people weren't. Right. Um, but the team that I play for with Kevin and Jason, they're on, they're in the hunt for the playoffs, that elusive number 12 spot. Right. Um, so I think there's one more week we got to try and play in or two more weeks to play in. So if we could get a couple more 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh weeks, we should be okay. Sweet. So it worked out really well. It was fun. I really I enjoyed myself. Interesting. Um, I think you guys would too, and I think I can bring guests as a member. So like we should get like Kevin's because we can bring some guests and bring like you and Heather up there, and we can push some biscuits around. Yes, with our tangs. Absolutely, I'd love to tang some biscuits around. It was pretty cool. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. There was music too. It was a solid, nice '90s playlist uh, of nice. music going too. You know, like Jagged Little Pill and uh, (laughs) Offspring and shit like that. Right. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Um, Oh, uh, they also played the Crash Test Dummies. Interesting. You remember that song? Yeah. There was this girl. Anyway, I'm not going to go any further than that. That's probably for the best. Yeah. So shuffleboard was fun. I'm going to go again on Monday. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, hold on. Let me pull up my list here. I wanted to mention The Lion King. This is going to be a quickie. Yeah. Uh, the Lion King cast is apparently... Oh, hold on. I'm on the wrong subreddit. I'm on malicious compliance. Oh, boy. Yep. That's a fun one. Here we go. So John Favreau, uh, one of my favorite actors and directors, right, um, redid the Jungle Book for Disney, and he's been doing a bunch of Disney movies with um, the Avengers, right. I mean, he did the original. Um, he's the one who started Iron it Man. all. Yeah, he did the first. He does all the Iron Men, if you right. will. Uh, so he's in charge of re of doing a, a live action. I'm going to air quote live action because it's technically CG, right. Um, but it looks live, if that makes sense. Sure. So I don't want to call it live action, but it's just not animated in the common sense of animated. Um, so he is kind of announcing some of his uh, lineup, and he's got Donald Glover as Simba. Right. And Beyonce as Nala. Those are the older um, Simba and Nala. Naturally. This is, this is after the Hakuna Matata um Growathon. Right. James Earl Jones is reprising his role as Mufasa. Nice. He's, I don't think they could go any other way with that. I agree. I think if 
if anything, you leave Mufasa out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you just take right. clips from the original one and voice that in. I I mean, I think the whole live-action remake thing is a mistake. But, I, um, I, think I mean, if you're okay. going to do it, you have to have James, James Earl Jones as Mufasa. You can't do anybody else. They have... So, um, and you'll have to, if you're listening, I'm sorry, uh, Chiweldi Ejiford. Ch- Chitelli Ejiford? That's the one. He's probably listening. He's probably going to turn off his his MP3 player. He's going to be like, these motherfuckers butchered my name again. He had all this time to prep for this fucking show, and he couldn't even say my name right. Right. He's He was the... Um, the anti-hero, the good guy slash bad guy, right from Doctor Strange. She Black she dude. would tell a Jiofor. Maybe yep. that's it. He's gonna be Scar. Um, we're it would help J- John if they Oliver had a pronunciation as... guide on his on his IMDb page, but they don't. Yeah, you know, and if that was my name, I'd probably put a phonetic spelling next to it, or I'd change my name. Right. To something simple like Donald Glover. He's been in a lot of good stuff, though, man. He's yeah, been he's in, got uh, an iconic voice. Doctor Strange. He's Oh, he's going to be Scar. Interesting. Yeah. Scar. The, Scar's yeah. the bad guy. Spoiler yep. alert. Uh, he was in The Martian. He was in 12 Years a Slave, which I never saw. Oh, he was uh, great in The Martian. I forgot that. He was one of the one of the NASA guys, I think. Yeah, he was in American Gangster. So he was in Four Brothers. He was the bad guy in Four Brothers, Victor Sweet. Um, what else was he in? There's what I want to say he was in Eight Mile, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it looks like I'm wrong on that. Oops. Maybe he um, was just uncredited. You saw him in the in the back. I don't remember. I mean, he's got a familiar face. John so. Oliver is going to be Zazu, and I think Zazu was the bird, right? Yes. He's yeah, he'll make a perfect wiener bird. Um John Connie, who I'd have to look him up, is gonna be Rafiki. And then Seth Rogan's gonna be Pumbaa. Which sounds like a perfect fit to me. Right. And then Billy Etchner is gonna be Timon. Okay. Um John Connie played the Black Panther's father in Civil War. Oh. Well, then that would be why he knows uh, um, John Favreau. Right. Yeah. So that's Favreau produces most of those. You uh, might not recognize his name, but you might you would recognize his face, I think, if you saw him. To be a good king, he has like that classic uh, African accent. Right. Right. Yeah. He was the one that died in the attack on the UN. Mm-hmm. That um, spoiler alert: Barrymore <laughs> uh, pinned on Bucky. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen right. Civil War, you're in trouble. Yeah, at this point, it's been how many years? And then Keegan-Michael Key from Key and Peel is going to be one of the... Um, hyenas? Hyenas, yeah, thank you. And I don't Makes sense. Anybody else. Makes sense. They so should gonna... bring back Whoopi Goldberg for the uh, the head hyena. Oh, that would be great. I don't see her on the list, though. They have Florence Kasumba um, as Shinzi. Was it um? It was one of the the stoner dudes whose names escaped me. That was the other hyena. Oh yeah, man. like Tommy Chong, um, Cheech. Cheech. It was Cheech Marin. 
was the the one hyena. And then you had the giggly one that never said anything. Just giggles. That's probably going to be key. Could be. He's he's a giggly bastard. I could be him. I could see him being the one that's like Mufasa. Yeah. Oh, do it again, Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. I could see that being him. And then Thor comes out this week. Yeah. I got my tickets already. I uh, wanted to see it this weekend, and apparently my wife is going with her best friend to see uh, Bad Moms 2. So I guess I'm just going to just jerk myself off in the corner. <laughs> yeah, go on. Take a step back and literally fuck my own face. Um, I, we... Well, there is a birthday party I have to go to on Friday. Uh-huh. I have some friends who scheduled their kid's birthday party for Friday at 6. I that got sounds off. like a terrible idea. I didn't realize it was scheduled for Friday. I thought it was a Saturday deal. Right. Because that would it, make sense. It's Friday. And so my mom's watching them. So my mom's going to take them up there because it starts at 6. And I just don't know if I can make it from right. downtown Tampa to their place by... In 90 minutes um, because of the traffic. Right. Um, and my movie doesn't start until 9 or 9.30. I think I have to be at the theater at 9. It's We're going to the uh, Cinebistro. Nice. And, uh, you know, I bought my tickets last week, but I only had the front two rows available. Yeah. And uh, life pro tip, by the way, buy whatever seats you can because generally the handicap seats don't get used. So then you wait for them to call for the movie. Right. Take your tickets to the front desk and then say, hey, um, is there any, can you switch me into some better seats? And then she looks at her thing and she goes, oh, yeah, look at these these two seats right in the middle of the theater are open. Do you want these two? And you're like, yep, I sure do. Nice. And then you don't have anybody next to you either because it's, you know, wheelchair parking. Right. I feel like, I don't know how the Santa Bistro up there is set up, but... The Cinebistro here, the front row seats, I, they're still set back a little bit. And, I mean, you've got recliners. These don't so, recline, really. Oh, yeah, that could be the problem. Is there, I mean, they almost fully recline. Nope. They have, so they have ottomans. You lean back and you're still not breaking your neck in the front row. I saw, which is usually your problem. I saw Star Wars in the front row, and I was fine with it, um, but Jen said she was getting a little motion sick. Hey, yeah, I could see that being a problem. Um, we have, back in the day we went to uh, Transformers, and we went and saw it at the Bosey IMAX, right? The dome. And we even that's sat a lot like to take in, man. Really high in the stadium, in the seats, and Jen couldn't. She was like, "Yep, I'm out." She noped out of there. That would be a tough movie, I think, to watch in IMAX. There's Luckily, a lot going on. She worked at the the theater, and we only paid like three dollars to see the movie so i was like all right no big deal right and at that point i'd probably already seen it twice that was the first one the the good one um so we're gonna go see that um trendy's gonna watch the kids nice so hopefully i can get them home and get them relaxed um by the time time for us to go to the movie Right. The good news is she's watched them before, and they weren't such animals that time that she's still willing to watch them. And I think she's going to come here. I think she's going to leave their baby with Jeff at their house. Right. And I think she's going to come here to watch the boys sleep. Well, that's nice. 
It, it is nice. You're right. Um, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, what? I wanted to get your opinion. Okay. What should I pre-watch for Thor Ragnarok? Should I watch Thor one and two, or should I do like Thor two and Avengers? You could probably. Get, I would say go Thor two. Um, maybe Avengers two. Because that has, yeah, that has that whole scene where he's like shown the worst, the worst possible scenario, mm-hmm. and then maybe Doctor Strange because he's going to be involved somehow. Oh yeah, Doctor Strange. There was that Thor mix at the end of Doctor Strange. Yeah, which I mean, you may not. It may not have any other than that little scene. It may not have any relevance at all, but it could be worth you know just in case. But I would definitely watch Thor two. Because the end of that is where Loki allegedly swaps himself out for Odin. Odin, and then Avengers too, because it's it's Thor, um, seeing the worst worst possible outcome. So gotcha. And if if you do the if you go through the special features on Thor two, or not Thor two, Avengers two, I believe there's actually a deeper scene. That like further explains Thor's trek from seeing that to coming back to help the Avengers. I gotcha. So that may shed a little more light on what's about to happen. So that's happening. Let's go back to thing. That's all I had for my uh, intro preview. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, all right. Want to talk about sports? Yeah, let's do some sports. Let's, let's do it. Let's do sports. Yeah. Do you want to start with baseball? Um, why don't we Baseball's do not baseball over last? Yet. Yeah. Because baseball is going to the bottom of the ninth. So. Um, let's do college football? Sure. Sure. If you pardon me, if I sound a little nasally, it's because I just farted it and it reeks. What's it smell like? Um, I think like some kind of maybe rotten egg a little bit. Man, I had some rotten egg farts the other day that were just brutal. It's all, If I cringe for my own farts, there's something wrong. I was laying down with Finn and I farted and then he looked at me and it was a quiet one too. He's right. like, did you fart? <laughs> and I was like, why? He goes, because it stinks. He goes, go wipe. Right. And I was like, I didn't poop my pants. <laughs> I remember the last time, I, that one time I got hung over there um, a few months back. Uh-huh. And I was laying in there while they were playing Xbox and farted, and it smelled like shit. <laughs> and... Bub out of nowhere, and it was completely silent. Bub goes, "Why does it smell like poop in here?" <laughs> the brutal honesty I love about kids. <laughs> right, I was like, "Because uh, I <laughs> farted," and he's like, "Ew, Dad, <laughs> you beer farted." Right. Oh, and it was the worst. Who smelled awful? Let's talk about. Let's talk about USF. Let's talk about Houston at USF. Yeah, I'm not excited about that. I'm not happy about the results. So, um, if you haven't seen it, it it's on the, the ESPN app if you want to re- do the replay. If you um, want to torture yourself. 
you know, when I went and rewatched it, it wasn't as bad as I remember it being. It was very bland. We mm-hmm. could have scored a lot more points. We could have opened it up a little bit. Here's my problem. Okay, this is my problem with Houston. With the game plan for Houston. Here's the thing. They've got Ed Oliver, who was the number three overall prospect coming out of high school. Five-star defensive tackle. Could have gone anywhere he wanted, but he decided to stick with his hometown team in Houston. His very first game against Oklahoma as a college, 18-year-old college freshman, true freshman, he blew them up. He was an All-American as a true freshman, okay? Uh, He's still a fucking great player this year, leading the team in tackles for loss, sacks, everything. They and their coach said afterwards, this was the game plan, they stacked the box all night long and said, we don't want them running on us. That's their game plan. That's what they do. They run for 300 yards a game. We're going to sell out to stop the run, and we're going to make them beat us through the air. And what is our game plan? Okay, we ran, what, uh, 55 plays, 55 times we ran the ball, and 38 times we passed it. That was what Quentin Flowers' uh, attempts finished at. Here's, here's they, Charlie Strong said, well, offensively we did. We took what the defense gave us. They were stacking the box, so we took what they gave us. Okay, so taking what they give you is running up the middle into a stacked box with the best defensive tackle in the country? Yeah, Why? But, Why um, is that the fucking game plan? You know what was there all night, or at least the first two or three quarters? Quick slants. Didn't see any of those. Uh, how about a bubble screen? Get, get your athletes out. Okay, the entire second half, the secondary was creeping up on the short routes because we weren't running anything but little five-yard hitches or bubble screens. You know what you do there? And this is something that Willie Taggart, God bless him, he got outcoached a few times, but this is something he did really well is he would run a play and he would run a play and a run a play and he's doing it to set you up so that the next time he goes to do it, you're jumping the route and boom, it's a fake bubble screen streak. You know how many touchdowns we scored like that? Where we faked a bubble screen and went deep? I mean, we did that at least three or four or five times last year alone. So They started jumping the short routes. That's when you fucking fake them out because Quentin Flowers, probably 80% of his pass plays when he dropped back, had a good pocket. The offensive line gave him time. Surprisingly enough, they held off Ed Oliver on the pass rush. Fake it. You fake the quick slant, you fake the, the quick hitch, you fake the bubble screen, get the cornerback to try and jump the route, and then run past him. It was there all night. The whole in- entire second half, they were creeping on the short stuff because we ran bubble screens, and three or four times they almost got picked off. And we ran the little three, four-yard hitch and almost got picked off. That's when you fake it. So they try to jump that, and you go over the top. Because they've got seven guys in the box and they're going one-on-one with your receivers all day. We have NFL caliber receivers. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is at least going to get a look in the NFL. Tyree McCants is at least going to get a look in the NFL. Darnell Solomon is at least going to get a look in the NFL. Our tight ends are at least going to get a look in the NFL. D'Angelo Antoine is basically supposed to play Rodney Adams' part in the offense. Where the fuck was he? Didn't even get a look. So what, I mean, what are we doing? 
I think we might have thrown the ball deep three times the entire game. And at least one of them we connected on. So Why from, is our game plan to run up the middle at the best defensive tackle in the country? Why is that the game plan? How is that a sound game plan? And if you have to run, fine, I get that's off. Use some fucking misdirection. Run a counter. Fake the jet sweep and go against the grain afterwards. Something, anything, do something fucking different. We average two and a half yards a carry because we're beating our face against the wall. That's what Why I was going to say. Game plan? We before this game, we were probably averaging five yards a carry, at least five or six yards a carry. And so this game, we kept running between the tackles. Which you know, if you're going to run, that's fine. Why not run outside the tackles? I mean, they tried once or twice, but it was on plays where you could see it coming. I, they ran um, a jet sweep that went for seven yards. They ran a couple times. They tried to run like the the sweep to the outside uh, for Tierney Johnson, and it was a fight to get back to the line of scrimmage. But you know what you do then? You fucking fake that play. You you fake the handoff on the jet sweep and run against the grain. Run an option against the grain. Something, something. Houston's defense has not been great. Memphis put up forty two points on them in one half last week. You have to do better than 20, 24 points. And what really fucking gets me is that last possession where we're clearly trying to run down clock and get points oh, yeah, because it was tied at 21. Yep. So I get that you're trying to milk the clock. I get that you're going to run the ball. But you've got first and 15, and you run the ball three times that net like 10 yards. On third and five or third and four, whatever it was, everybody knows you're running the ball. Everybody, because you're just running clock at this point. Why not at least try misdirection? Don't fucking give me handing off to Dearness Johnson and having him run into the teeth of an eight-man box. Fake it. Fake the handoff and run with Q. Run a jet sweep to get the defense's eyes moving. Maybe fake fake the handoff on the jet sweep and have hand it off to Dearness going the other way. Run some kind of triple option. Something different than what you've run 50 times in this fucking game. And I, I want to say, okay, fine, I'll give it to them. They're milking the clock. But the game plan all year, once they get inside the 20, is just to fucking clam up. Get what you can running the ball, and then if you get in, great. If not, kick a field goal. That's been the game plan all year. All year. Temple, we kicked fucking five field goals when we shouldn't have had to. How many times have we started with the ball inside the 20 kicked a field goal? Show some fucking creativity. And I've been complaining about it all year, and... It hadn't been a problem yet because it hadn't cost us a game yet, and it cost us a game this time. And they asked Charlie Strong about it, and he says, well, that wasn't what beat us. We still had them on fourth down, which is fucking true, and fourth and 24 still haunts me. Yeah. But you know what happens if they score a touchdown at the end? If we went for a touchdown instead, it's a tie game. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they go for a two-point conversion to try and win it, and you stop them and win. But at at worst, it's a tie game because you had some balls. And if Not to mention they returned that goddamn kickoff 40 fucking if you, yards. 
if you pick up that first down and end up scoring a touchdown, you're probably doing it with less than 30 seconds left on the clock. There's zero fucking chance for them to do what they did. And we had three timeouts. I it just it's So the other it baffles telling me. the other telling stat that I saw so we ran over 90 plays uh on offense. Right. Um we had 23 third down attempts. That's right. probably more third downs than we've seen all year. Well, and the other, the problem is, and third downs are not a bad thing. If you're routinely in third and two, third and three, third and one, I it seemed like the entire first half, every third down was third and eight, third and nine, third and ten, and that's part of what fucking bugs me about Sterling Gilbert's offense is Q's passing efficiency hasn't been as good as it was last year, but it can't be. When you run the ball twice on first and second down, you pick up three yards, and then you're asking them to pick up third and seven with a hitch route. Mm-hmm. When our receivers run routes, it's one of three things. It's a bubble screen, it's a hitch, or it's a, a streak. A button hook. And, and third and seven, guess what? That dictates how long the hitch is going to be. It's going to be a seven-and-a-half or eight-yard route, and the defense knows that. And then you're banking on the receiver getting the ball with enough time to spin loose and pick up more yardage. That shows something different. Quick slants, drag routes, post routes, corner routes, uh, slant and go, the old sluggo, something. There has to be something different. You can't have a receiver route tree with three branches. That should just not be a thing. You know, like Willie Taggart's offense, there were maybe eight plays that we ran in various formations but the route combinations were there there was more than three fucking routes it's it's sickening i and that's why i i've said all year it's amazing we're averaging 500 yards a game with an offense that is not even complete it hasn't hasn't even gained full steam and with each passing game, you start thinking, well, maybe this is it. Yeah. And I, I have not been satisfied. The game plan is to satisfied. run inside 50 times a game and then take the occasional shot and run a couple bubble screens. And honestly, I don't think he wants to run bubble screens. I think he's running that because it's getting something out of the guys from the system they were using last year that worked. So I just it's, – it's maddening. It's like beating your head against a wall. Over and over and over and over and over. And don't tell me you took what the fucking defense gave you when they're stacking the box with the best defensive tackle in the country and taking what they give you is running straight into that. 50 times a fucking game. Did you see uh, Sassy Amanda calling out the... uh calling out the the coaching staff on Twitter and Facebook. It's I love it. I like them every time she does yeah. it. Yeah. I mean that's what it, it's coaching. That doesn't fall on the players. They don't call the plays. Nope. Pull our, your head out of your ass. Our players are as good as any and they lost specifically because they were coached poorly. Right. The coaches did not put them in a place to succeed. Yep. And so that's that was unfortunate you know it, it doesn't it, here the only here's the only thing that it changes it changes 
our attempt to ruin the playoff system. Right. It changes our attempt to complain about not getting a shot at the national title, which obviously we should not have. Right. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that we still have to beat UConn, UCF. Tulsa, and UCF. Yeah. We win those three games. We win a division. Well, we get a division game. We allegedly will, would play, what, Memphis or Navy? Probably Memphis. And Memphis is in good. In the conference title game. So you beat Memphis here. The, as long as they don't choke before then, they'll be, they'll be ranked. Yep. Um, UCF, if, as long as they don't choke, they'll be in the top 15. So, uh, so I mean, if we went out and the other teams on our schedule take care of their business, it, we would still get the New Year's Six Bowl. Correct. And that, and that wouldn't be anything different than had we beat Houston as well, we would probably end up, you know, still ranked. We maybe make a top 10 rank. And then we come back right. next season at like number twenty, right? You know, even even an unproven, you know, with all new guys, basically, we would come I mean, back as a number twenty. It's hard to bitch about seven and one and still in control of your own destiny. I agree, but it just it makes me fear for next year when we don't have Quentin Flowers or Darius Tice or Dearness Johnson. Right. I mean, here's the thing: I like Brett Keen. He's got a great arm. Uh, from what little I've seen of Oladokun, um, he looks okay, but we haven't seen much of him to know what he's got. But neither one, I guarantee you, neither one of those has the improvisation of Quinn Flowers. Quinn Flowers is probably the most slippery player we've ever had at USF. Yeah, I mean, he he has jumped, he back jumps and side jumps out of sacks that i find very hard to believe is like real life right it's ridiculous it's ridiculous and it's nothing against brett keen he's not gonna get away like quentin flowers does he doesn't have quentin's wheels he doesn't have his juking what he has is he's got a stronger arm a better maybe passing acumen yeah and you know maybe that's enough to keep the linebackers and corners honest you know right um but i uh I worry about next year. You know, this is our year. We we have to win out. We have to be Orlando, right? And um, then we can get a decent bowl, you know. And then you try it again next year. We don't have week zero game next year, right? Um, who's on our our uh, out of conference schedule? We have Illinois. Yes, and then I don't remember who and else. I heard that that game might not play at Soldier Field anymore. Yeah, that was a rumor. That went on Twitter, I think the night we were at Tulane, so I didn't actually see it live. Um, one of the bloggers, USF bloggers, said something about it, I guess, Chicago not being on the schedule anymore, but was kind of vague about it, and then he pulled it back and said that the two sources he had on it, he usually trusts, but he just didn't feel right about it, so he pulled it back. I don't know. Boy, that's pretty... Um... It's pretty, uh, you know, journalistic of them. You know, most places would just run with it. Yeah, I, he seems to have some shred of decency. So, I also heard that Charlie Strong might be getting a few job offers during the off season. Yeah, I don't see it coming. Not with a loss to Houston like that. No, I just don't. I don't. I don't see him. I mean, some places might sniff around, but for the jobs that are open, I just don't see it. 
I don't because he's a defensive guy, and most of the jobs that are opening up are, you know, going to need creative offensive minds. I if they want to hire Charlie Strong, I would hate to see Charlie go, but I'm perfectly willing to see Sterling Gilbert walk right out that fucking door. And take his bland run up the middle 30, 50, 60 times a game offense right off that field. No. I'm all about imposing your will. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you run stop really well and we run really well, so let's see who does what better. Right. But when a guy like Darius Tice, who averages like, you know, six yards a carry, is getting two yards a carry, that's a problem. You can't just keep, you know, let's do the math when, here. What's two times three? And that's when six. You're constantly in third and eight, third and nine, third and ten, third and twelve. I mean, at one point in the in the first quarter, we had negative twelve yards rushing. Something crazy like that. That's not do something different. Fucker. And then um at on fourth and twenty three, I hadn't heard this stadium be that loud in years. Oh, it was wild. I had both my kids screaming. Yep. We, the whole, every, everybody was on their feet. The whole place was going bonkers. Cause you know, we had three sacks in a row right before that. Right. Sack number one. Right. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's on sack. Number two. Holy shit. We're about to end this game. Sack number three. Oh yeah. Now it's fourth and 23. Good luck. You sons of bitches. And the place is going silent. And then all of a sudden it's bah. I was like, they basically went for like a midfield hail Mary. Yeah. And all he had to do was bat it down. I mean, it was a jump ball. Yeah. And that, again, that kind of goes on coaching because you t- you have to tell your guys, don't try to make the play. Just punch the fuck out of the ball. Punch it out of bounds. Just punch it. Slap it down. Don't try to catch it. Don't try to get cute. Just swat at it. Knock it down. On a Hail Mary, your only job is to knock the ball down. And so that's it. If South Florida can stop on 4th and 23, we're not having this conversation. Well, I'm still pissed off about the offense, but just not as bad because we still win. All right. But maybe this is what they need. Maybe Charlie Strong gets in Sterling Gilbert's ass and goes, hey, fucker, open up the offense. If we don't murder UConn, we have a problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I think you tell him, like, listen, guy, if we, if we don't put 60 up, 60-6-0, you're – Gonna have to look for a new job, right? And the problem is he won't do that because he had him there. He had him in Texas. He brought him along. They're the good. It's the good old boy network. You know, I. Uh, that's a day. You know what? And I, you know, I could sit in my seat and I'm just I'm yelling. What would Willie do? And because um, Willie had that point, you know, he had that, that he hit that wall, that same wall that that Charlie just hit. So hopefully he wakes up like Willie did. Hopefully, but I just I don't see it in Sterling Gilbert. I just don't. So this weekend is UConn, right? It's a makeup game. Three thirty start. So hopefully it's not thirty degrees. Not too cold play. up there. It'll be like forty five, maybe fifty. Uh, Jeff's coming over. We're gonna make some tacos. We're gonna grill up some meat. Nice. He's bringing a big ass tri tip and some carne asada. Nice. So gonna, well, Heather's going to the movie, so I'll be watching it with the kids. Grill that up. You're welcome to come up if you want tacos. Um, we are going to watch the I'm going to start the grill at like noon so that I don't get stuck on the grill while the game's going. Right. Sound plan. Yep. I'm like, I'm not doing that again because two weeks ago, I think it was, I basically missed the whole game. 
Right. So um, I'm I'm feeling a win. I feel like this is an injured tiger who's been let out of the cage. Right, um, we're pissed off now. Yeah, yep. And and you know they play better when they're not getting the respect. Right. Well, and that's I th- I think it might have been Dietrich Nichols said um, on the Tuesday presser like now we have that chip back. Yep. You know because now we're the underdogs. And now we're being disrespected again, so now we've got the chip back on our shoulder. Yep. So I I wish that that could have happened without fucking choking. Diedrich Nichols, Houston, but. speaking of, was all over the place, dude. Right. He was... Dude, I saw him make a play on a bubble screen where he tackled a guy while he was still being blocked out. Like, he tackled two guys. Right, and there was another one where he almost picked it off. Yep, I mean like, and he was he was inside the receiver's jersey, essentially. Yep the the quarterback had a run and he uh, decleated the kid. Right. So I uh, I think he's I think he'll have a look at the at the NFL too. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely. I mean, we we've got a few guys on the defense that are for sure going to get a look. He's going to get a look. Tajay Fullwood. I don't know if he'll get a look. I think Sanat gets some, a look. Sometimes his tackling is suspect, but he's a great athlete. Um, Sanat's definitely going to get a look because he's an earth mover in the middle. When he's not targeting, um, he's a really good. <clears throat> Bruce Hector is probably going to get a look, at least at minimum a look, because he's been he's been excellent this year. What about uh, uh, living in the backfield? Augie so. Sanchez does he get a look? Augie probably not. He he might get a look. He might get some workouts. I don't know that. It, he probably won't get drafted. He'll get a he'll get a practice squad spot. He he might get a practice squad spot, or he's a, at the very least going to get, you know, in on some of the rookie camps. Um, but we'll see. So, uh, let's see what else do I got on my own thing here. The uh, Houston Astros. Yes. Are your 2017 World Series winners? They are. Just closed it out a couple minutes ago. Yep. The champions of the world. Won game seven on the road. On the road. That's one thing that I I feel bad sometimes for teams that win on the road. Because right. there's like 12 of them and they're like, yeah, fuck yeah. And everybody in the stands is like, this sucks. Right. Yeah. Looking at I, There's like 100 or so <laughs> Houston fans made their way over where the team is celebrating. And then... But so, when you're at home, there's like confetti and a balloon drop, and the parade float is ready to pick you up as soon as you win. Like, right? You go out and party on the town. Like those guys are going to go party in L.A. right now, or they're going to hop on a plane and get to Houston by the time the sun comes up. They will be back in Houston at like six a.m., and there will be a fucking mob of people there to meet them. Yep, I agree. I was kind of rooting for the Dodgers just because of what happened to USF over the weekend. Right, but <laughs> well, <laughs> I you know, like we said before, I I'm happy for the city of Houston. Yeah, they could That's use. That's why a win. I was rooting for the Astros. Harvey so, sucked. Yeah, Harvey was awful. Did terrible things to them. Um, I mean, they University they, of Houston's fucking sucks. They deserved it. So. I'm not sure yet who the MVP is. I don't think they've announced it yet. I don't know. I, took, but, um, I closed my tab. Um, game five of the World Series was possibly 
the most fun I've ever had watching baseball outside of watching the Red Sox in 04 and 2013. Um, the game started off. You had Dallas Keuchel, who's Houston's ace, going against Clayton Kershaw, who's the Dodgers' ace, and probably the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. And the Dodgers went up 3 nothing early, and then it was 4-1. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Astros hit a three-run bomb to tie it at four. And then they went ahead, and then the Dodgers went back ahead. And then the Astros tied it, and then it was it was seven to seven, and there was a line drive to center field, and the center fielder George Springer dove for the ball, came up about a foot short of it, and it rolled to the wall. As soon as he dove, I went, oh no, man, don't do that! So run ends up scoring to go down eight seven. He's the first batter of the next inning, and the Dodgers bring in a new pitcher, and I think Dave Roberts outcoached himself. He overthought it, brought in a pitcher with no juice left in his arm because he had never pitched three days in a row. So he comes out and first pitch, jacks it, like, out of the stadium. And here in our house, everybody's asleep. I'm, I'm not watching this game by myself, and I think this was – like the fifth or sixth inning, so it was, I don't know, 11.30. This was a five-hour game, mind you. So, house is dead quiet. As soon as he hit the ball, I went, wow! Slapped my hands over my mouth like, shit, <laughs> I gotta be quiet. It was just, it was incredible. And then it was back and forth. So, like, now Brendan Morrow gives up four runs to take a one-run lead and make it a three-run deficit, and it's not his fault. He had no juice left in his arm. His arm was he didn't have he's a guy who's normally in the high 90s with his fastball and he was in the low 90s he didn't have anything in he had no life in his arm and he came out and threw like five pitches and gave up four runs just like that and i thought that's it dave roberts calls his team game five trying to overthink things and bring in a guy that didn't have any juice left and a guy that he said before the game was not going to work at all in this game and he still brought him out and then Yasiel Puig gets a two-run homer to bring them back within one with, I think, two outs. They go on, score another run to tie it. And at this point, I think we're 11-11 or 12-12. So then you get to the ninth inning, and you're thinking the only way this makes sense, the only logical way for this wild-ass game to end is if they walk off on the Dodgers' closer, Kenley Jansen. Because he's been almost untouchable this season. And for this game with all these these great arms and these great bats, and it's just been back and forth seesaw, the only way is for them to walk off. And sure enough, they walk off, you know, in, in, off of the Dodgers closer, Kenley Jansen, and end up winning 13-12. I have never had so much fun watching a game like that. It was just like it was up on one side, it was down on the other, then it was up on the other side and down on the other it was just it was back and forth it was a, a total seesaw game and and the in the playoffs typically pitching is what ends up winning games and for this game this this was this season and and it was a microcosm of the season where the home run has made a resurgence and they're saying the balls aren't juiced but they're probably juiced they've tightened them up a little bit mm-hmm. you know to to uh, try to bring back fans they want the game to be more exciting because 
the average fan doesn't want to see a bunch of 2-1, 3-1 games. They want to see home runs. And this game, game five, I'm telling you, dude, I, I, I've been watching baseball since I was five, probably younger than I don't remember. And outside of the Red Sox coming back on the Yankees 3-0 in 04 and winning the first World Series in 86 years, and outside of watching the 2013 uh, World Series, Red Sox coming back to win this for the city of Boston after the Boston Marathon bombings, I've never had as much fun watching a game. It was incredible. And it, it just... It, the game started at 8.15 and did not end till 1.45 in the morning. And you would think, okay, five hours, five and a half hours, that's great. That's what, that's like a 16, 17 inning game. No, <laughs> it wasn't. It was just that back and forth. It was incredible. So this was just a great World Series to bring the casual fan back in. Um, and also, as we're speaking, the, I think it's the Astros shortstop, Carlos Correa, just proposed to his girlfriend. So good on them. They're getting married. That's awesome. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm happy for the Astros. Moreover, I'm happy for the city of Houston because, uh, you know, after the summer they had, they deserve this. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's one of those. Like we said last week, I think it was on last week's show, where, you know, it's, it's the Red Sox winning in 2013 after the marathon bombings, uh, the Patriots winning after the, the 9-11 uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's not often that a disaster strikes an area and something like this comes along where the team, the professional franchise that these fans love and live through have a chance to win a championship and bring it back to the city and bring life back to the city and excitement and gives these people something else to think about, you know? So I think it's, it's awesome. It happened to work out this way. And SI Sports Illustrated called this a few years back. You know, they ran a cover with George Springer on the cover, who ended up being the World Series MVP, um, and said, this is your 2017 World Series champions. Just happened to go like that. So it's it's just, it's fucking cool. And they had never won, it's, I think, 56 years as a baseball franchise. They had never won the World Series, so... You know, I think we're down to one other team that's never won one. Um, obviously, besides the Rays and <laughs> Rockies. But as far as, like, older teams, the Indians have the longest streak. They haven't won since 48, something like that. And then I don't remember who the other team is. The Mariners have never won the World Series. So as far as teams before 1990, there's only one left that's never won one. So, all right. Let's see what else we got. Oh, and uh, Florida fired their coach. Yeah, mid-season. <laughs> that was interesting. What did he get? Like two and a half years. Yeah, and apparently part of it is that he didn't get along with the administration, and they also um, they had issues with his making claims of death threats but then wouldn't like expound on that it had no details and 
it's one thing to just say that it involved you. If it only involved you All right. and your family, then, you know, obviously athletics is supposed to care because you're their guy. And the police apparently had no other details. He didn't, wasn't, and he said, oh, well, you know, if it gets worse, I'll handle it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give more information or whatever. But it's also, he was claiming death threats against the players. And the athletic department needs to know that. So if they have to arrange for extra security for people, for the students, yeah. they can do that. So there's questions how much legitimacy there was to the death threat claims. And it just painted the university in a terrible light. And so there, there was word that they were even if he had won this past weekend against Georgia, they were going to fire him. Or ask him to, to get the fuck out. And allegedly, he's taken less than the $12 million buyout his contract had, which basically screams that this whole death threat thing was not exactly how he was claiming it was because all this would have come out in court when they, you know, take the whole buyout thing to court. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's uh, obviously a large job open. Uh, The top names that I've heard obviously are red are Dan Mullen from Mississippi state because he was the offensive coordinator during the Tebow years. Uh, when they won two titles, Scott Frost, obviously for what he's done at UCF, he turned around a winless team into a now undefeated team this year. And he's already recruiting Florida. Right. And he's got a high octane offense they hired McIlwain. McIlwain was supposed to be an offensive guy and he's done nothing but chase off starting quarterbacks um, suspending starting running backs and receivers and just put together a god-awful-looking offense. If you're an offensive guy, you can't be at Florida and have no offense and then back your way into two division titles to get to the SEC championship game to get slaughtered by Alabama. There has to be some semblance of an offense, and there isn't. And this year it's been as bad as ever. So... Uh, they're they're definitely going to go for somebody who runs an explosive-type offense. So Scott Frost is a possibility, and also is a possibility is Willie Taggart. Yep, I heard that too. Imagine if Willie Taggart comes back to Florida to coach UF, and imagine even worse, this makes me even more sick to my stomach, imagine if he brings Levitt with him as his defensive coordinator. Yeah, that would be nuts. I having grown up as a Florida State fan, despise UF. Always have, always will. It will make me physically sick to my stomach to have to see Jim Levitt, the godfather of USF football, wearing gator shit. I might die. I believe it. I think you might at least puke. Yeah, that's vomit-inducing, man. But it's a very real possibility. If Taggart gets hired, why wouldn't he bring Levitt with him? He's done a great job with Oregon's defense for the most part. So, I mean, they were an awful bottom-of-the-country defense last year, and they're at least middle of the pack this year. And not much has changed except for Jim Levitt's in there and fired the fuck up. You know, like his energy, I feel like it would be hard to be 
lethargic or apathetic on defense if Jim Levitt was your coordinator or your position coach or whatever. Like Jim Levitt's the type, I would run through a brick wall for him because I'm convinced he would run through the brick wall right next to me. Yeah. Jim Levitt is that fucking crazy. And that's all I got. Yeah, one other little note. The NBA started um, last week, maybe the week before. Two week, I, I think it was exactly two weeks ago. When it started. Um, so predictions, it's going to be the Warriors again. Okay. Spoiler alert. It may be the Cavs that get there after. Oh, that's right, because we talked about Gordon Hayward breaking his leg in horrific fashion. Yep, in the first few minutes. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so I don't know that the Celtics will still have the juice to take down the Cavs to get to the finals, but it doesn't matter because the Warriors are going to win. That's just how it's going to go. Um, and you got a joke. I do got a joke. Oh, Devin. Yes? What is the worst thing about history class? What's the worst thing about history class? The teacher tends to Babylon. Babylon. (laughs) All right. Great. Great, right? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I thought so. Pretty amazing. So uh, hopefully next week we're reporting a USF win. Yeah, hopefully. Oh, I'm going to... Actually, you know what? Next Tuesday I'm going to Cuba. Oh, boy. Yep, just for one day. Well, then, looks like we'll be recording on Wednesday. I mean, I get back at like 7.30, but I might be tired. Yeah, you're not going to want to do all that. But I'll have a Cuba recap for you. Nice. And um, and I'll have a um, Ragnarok recap. No spoilers. Okay. I'll give you a chance. Unless I, unless I see it this weekend if, somehow. If you do see it, then we'll spoil it. We'll spoil the fuck out of it. Yep. The Hulk shows up. You're welcome. Surprise. Surprise. Life uh, finds a way. Right. That's all I got. So thank you for listening, guys, and we'll catch up with you next week. All righty, guys. We'll see you next week. Okay, love you. Bye.